Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? Or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River? Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. Hi, I'm Jason Mark, and this is a special Bears edition of The Morning Shift. Now, just a little background here. I've been producing segments with WBEZ's sports contributor, Cheryl Ray Stout, for about a decade and a half. And Cheryl has been covering the Bears for 36 years. As a matter of fact, she was the one, after a lot of hard work, who broke the gender line and gained locker room access for female reporters. Now, the Chicago Bears' 100th season and the 100th season of the NFL begins tonight. That alone is enough cause for celebration. But between the way the Bears played last year and the focus and belief that's running through this team right now, everyone is excited from the average fan all the way up to the chairman of the board. That chairman is George McCaskey, grandson of Bears and NFL founder George Hallis. McCaskey took the reins back in 2011, and before that, he spent nearly a decade as one of the most hands-on ticket managers in all of sports. Cheryl sat down recently with McCaskey for a wide-ranging interview that touches on everything from growing up in the family that owned the Bears to last year's huge trade that brought Khalil Mack to the club. But she started off asking about an interesting walk that McCaskey took this summer from Decatur to Chicago. We wanted to know what it was about, and apparently so did McCaskey's wife. She said, tell me again why you're doing this. And I said, well... I'm symbolically recreating George Hallis's journey from the birthplace of the Bears in Decatur to our present home, Soldier Field. And she said, yeah, but he didn't walk. <laughs> he probably took the train because nobody had a car in 1921. But that was the idea. It's to honor our founder and his persistence and his perseverance and um, helping celebrate our centennial. I just thought it'd be a nice thing to do. We had a brainstorming session, you know, centennial ideas, and um, Scott Hagel, our uh, senior VP, tossed out the idea of a relay from Decatur to Chicago. And like many centennial ideas, it didn't make the light of day, but I kind of stuck in my mind. I thought, you know what? I'm going to do that myself. What was it like? Hot. (laughs) (laughs) It was very hot. Um, especially when I got the champagne, the heat index was up close to a hundred and I was trying to start earlier and earlier in the day. I didn't want to start when it was dark, but I had a support guy with me, uh, Park Majerus, and he did a great job picking me up and, um, getting me to where I needed to be. And, uh, one morning we had to get up at 345 so we could get to our starting point and get started at dawn. Did you meet people along the way that were able to tell you stories about the Bears or what they felt about the team, and who were you? <laughs> um, no, didn't get recognized at all. Um, of people downstate especially are uncommonly kind. I got a lot of offers of rides. I'd get to a, a truck stop or whatever, and a trucker would say, you know, I passed you 10 miles back. Um, <laughs> you need anything? And I said, no, I didn't shave. I was slathered with uh, sunscreen. I had a hat and long sleeves on, sunglasses, so uh, I don't think my own family would have recognized me. 
Was it kind of like a time of reflection? And what did you think about? Uh, <laughs> the um, common thought occupying my uh, feeble brain was uh, just keep going. And that's what George Halas did through economic tough times and challenges and people not showing up to uh, watch his team. And uh, as a result of his perseverance, professional football flourished and uh, has become the great game that it is today. The fact that you started in Decatur, that is where it began. We don't know a lot about the Staley Food Company. Can you tell me what, what it was like for your grandfather, what that company was about, and the fact that that's where it all started? Yeah, so in 1920, the Staley Starch Works Company was um, expert in the field of cornstarch. A.E. Staley hired my grandpa to be a, a company employee, but he said, I want you to start a football team, and you can hire football players as employees of the company, and you can practice on company time. And Mr. Staley thought that this would be a big morale booster for the company and a great way to promote the Staley Starch Works. And that's where you kicked off an event to begin, like training camp. You did it down in Decatur. And when you think about the 100 years and what it means to the NFL and to your family, what type of memories do you think you have about that beginnings? Well, I, I wish now, of course, that I had asked Grandpa a lot of questions about <laughs> the early days. But uh, humble beginnings, to be sure. You know, they were lucky to get a few dozen, a few hundred people watching the games. But one thing that struck me about our visit to Decatur before training camp opened was how proud the people of Decatur are that they are the birthplace of the Bears. You know, a lot of people came up to me and said, I've been a lifelong Bears fan. I'm a lifelong Decatur resident, and we love being the origin of the Bears. In your grandfather, there's so much written and said about him, but personally for you, what type of person was he? What type of football coach was he? What type of grandfather was he? Uh, well, in many ways, he was just like any other grandpa. You know, he'd come over for the holidays, very enthusiastic. I, I think one of my fondest memories, and I'm sure my brothers and sisters share this, is um, waiting for him outside the Cubs clubhouse at Wrigley Field mm -hmm. uh, after Bears games. And when he came out, regardless of the outcome of the game, even if it had been uh, not to his liking, he was always excited to see us, you know, giving us the business. Hey, kid, how you doing? And at that point, uh, he was just a grandpa. Very high profile, of course, but, um, you know, intensely interested in what was going on in our lives. When was the point that you realized the significance of what he had done and what he had helped create it? Uh, well, that was <laughs> emphasized to us by mom and dad. Mm -hmm. uh, to all of us growing up. And that's Virginia and Ed McCaskey. Yep. Of course, we, we would read stories about him. And then um, I think it was in 1979, his autobiography came out. And that was a big moment because we had heard for years and years and years, well, you know, one of these days when I get the time, I'm going to write the book. <laughs> um, so we were thrilled when that came out. In more recent years, there have been some excellent books written about the Bears. Uh, Richard Whittingham's is probably the best known, his illustrated history. And now, of course, we've got our centennial scrapbook. Right. And mom, Virginia McCaskey, sat for interviews with our Hall of Fame writers, Don Pearson and Dan Pompey. And it's a really good retelling 
of our first 100 years and a good look forward at what we hope will be the next 100 years. What were some of the memories you have being around the team and some of the players and the access you had? And was there any players that you what that when you finally got to know them, you're like, wow, that's somebody I really enjoy meeting, being around? Well, when I was a little kid, so I'm one of 11, um, we had to drive down to Wrigley Field and ship. Number eight. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the later crew went in the station wagon. And. Um, if I was lucky, Dad would ask me, do you, know, do you want to go down early with me? And um, that was a big thrill because he would uh, sit me on a um, steamer trunk mm-hmm. right when you enter the Cubs clubhouse. So being a little kid, you know, watching my heroes come by, Ed Obradovich, Doug Buffone, Bob Watoska, Ronnie Bull, John Arnett, Benny McRae, J.C. Caroline, Roosevelt Taylor, if they just acknowledged your existence as they rushed to their locker, that was a huge thrill. Later, uh, my brothers and I went to a training camp at St. Joseph's mm-hmm. College in Rensselaer, and uh, Grandpa would be tooling around in uh, his golf cart, so that was a big deal was uh, to race the golf cart, you know. You'd be running, of course. <laughs> he never let you in it. <laughs> he'd be he'd be gunning it in the golf cart. <laughs> um, but um, really enjoyed being at training camp. You know, if you're a little kid, you're around your heroes. You're eating great food, three meals a day. You're outside. Were you a ball boy? I was a ball boy in Rensselaer, and then our first year at Lake Forest College, and then uh, I asked. Jim Finks, our general manager, for a raise, and uh, he gave me the raise, but I was not invited back. <laughs> How much did you ask for? Uh, I left it up to his good judgment. <laughs> At that time, you got one big check for all of training camp. Training camp lasted a lot longer than it does yeah. now. Um, it was six preseason games at the time. So you were there a good month and a half, two months, and um, you got one big check when the team got around to issuing it sometime in uh, September or so. Did you have anyone you can complain to? Uh, <laughs> no, complaints were not well received. He gave me the raise, and um, that was my last year. Your mother, Virginia, she is 96 years old. And you look at her, she's the matriarch of the NFL, not just the Bears, the NFL. She's involved with the team in some capacity still. She knows what's going on. You are informing her of them. What have you learned from her? over the years that you've incorporated into your management style? Well, the big message that she's been preaching ever since I became chairman um, is forbearance. If you're the family that owns a team, it's easy to want to react like a fan, but uh, that's bad management. Her philosophy, which I share, is hire good people and stay out of their way. So. Um, We don't get involved in player personnel decisions. Um, We leave the management of the team on a day-to-day basis to our president and CEO, Ted Phillips. We leave the football decisions to Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. And um, we uh, react uh, much like fans. Everybody in the family is invested in the Bears emotionally. We take the losses hard, and uh, we cheer the victories together. And... um, we hope always for more victories. Now, when I talk to people about you, and a couple of things come to mind when they, they talk about your humility and your empathy. And 
I was talking to some of the Peyton family, Walter Peyton family, and the fact that you always attend every event, you always are there. On, you don't go there with, you know, raising any flags, saying that you're there. You just come on your own. And recently, Chuck Pagano, your defensive coordinator, told us that you got a table at uh, his fundraiser down in Indianapolis to uh, fight cancer. How do you do that with zero fanfare? You do it almost anonymously. We know you're there, but you just do it quietly. Why? It's easy with the patents. You know, I was talking to Walter's son, Jarrett, the other day, and he was saying how thankful they are that they've been a part of the Bears family. And I was thinking, no, we should be thanking you for allowing us to be part of uh, the Peyton family. And it's really going to culminate on uh, September 3rd when uh, Walter's statue is unveiled at Soldier Field. I know it's something that the Peyton family has wanted for a good long time, and uh, we're so happy it's finally happened. Chuck Pagano, uh, you know, just to set the record straight, um, I didn't buy a table. The Bears bought a table. Oh, hey, the Bears. And uh, <laughs> the Bears bought a table, and at the fundraiser, Jim Ursay, the owner of the Colts, pledged $1 million to Chuck's charity. So, <laughs> uh, you know, let's set the record straight there. But it was a humbling experience to see the reverence with which Chuck is held mm -hmm. by the people of Indiana and Indianapolis. And uh, we saw it again just this past weekend when we went down there for um, preseason game and I saw Chuck in the in the team meal room and he said yeah I, I'm trying to uh, grab something uh, real quick because after walk through Tina and I and his wife uh, we're gonna go over to the hospital so that's what okay. Chuck Pagano's all about he's on a mission he feels he's in a unique position mm -hmm. to do something positive and he's making the most of it and I tip my cap to him I don't usually bring up personal situations, but I feel compelled to. A few years ago, 2003, when the Bears had changed the stadium, made the renovations, my husband was a PSL owner, and there was some difficulty with his tickets, and you were ticket manager, and I told him, he told me there was an issue, and I said, don't talk to me about it, contact George McCaskey, he's a ticket manager, don't tell him who I am, and he did, and you handled it personally. And it was something I never thought I'd ever seen that you personally, a ticket manager, handled it. You contacted him immediately. You took care of it. It was something that uh, I think fans should know and fans should appreciate what you've been able to do in the offices that you've held with this team. Wow. Uh, thank you for saying that. The PSL program was a challenging situation for Bears fans. I'm sure there were a lot of intense family meetings. Um, <laughs> where they discussed what their options were. A lot of people have been put in a, in a good situation by their PSL selection. And then it was important to us at the time, you know, half the capacity at Soldier Field was non-PSL. So it was very important to us at the time. If you were a bare season ticket holder and wanted to remain a season ticket holder without buying PSLs, you had the option to do that. But you handled it personally. That was my point. You're, you, that approach is so unique. You, I also see you. You know, you you're signing autographs and talking to the fans at training camp. You you go to tailgate parties. You talk to the fans, and you obviously are someone that cares about what the fans think. And you understand the fans' experience. Is that correct? Well, we understand the Bears' experience because we're fans. Our right. our family first and foremost 
our fans. Every penalty against the other team is the way it should be. Every penalty against us is a miscarriage of justice. We want to get W's, and we take the losses especially hard. So it's easy for us to uh, connect with the fans because that's what we are. It's the morning shift. I'm Cheryl Ray Stout, and we're talking with Chicago Bears chairman George McCaskey. The Bears are one of the founding members of the NFL, and the team and the league are about to begin a season-long 100th birthday party. Last year, we talked to former Bear Sam Macho, who's now with Buffalo, and the journey you took with him, learning about social issues that are important to players, especially African-American players. What effect did going to different neighborhoods have on you and going to the prisons and the stories you heard? Well, I'm indebted to Sam for educating me about some of the social issues that are, are facing our country. Not only uh, does he have a, a great social conscience, but he, he's a great guy and he's a lot of fun to be around. So we had a lot of uh, adventures together, but um, there was a seriousness rooted in those adventures. And that was the whole idea is I needed to get educated about some of these issues. And Sam was a great teacher. And it's one of those things where the education never stops. You know, you've got to keep learning. You've got to keep delving into these things and peeling back layers. And um, we're trying to do what we can um, to address some of these problems. And you're part of the sports alliance with the other owners of the major teams here in Chicago. And why is it important for the Bears to be part of this? Well, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the White Sox, doesn't like when I say this, but it was his idea that we get together. And his argument um, was and is, um, listen, we're all doing something by ourselves, mm -hmm. but maybe we can have a bigger impact if we pool our efforts. And, you know, you, that's the kind of logic, <laughs> it, you know, it's, you can't debate that kind of logic. And it's been a great experience get, getting to know uh, Jerry and Tom Ricketts and Michael Reinsdorf and Rocky Wirtz better. And again, we're, we're trying to go into the greatest city in the world um, that can always get better and do something to make it better. Are there any community programs you're doing right now that you'd like to talk about? Uh, well, the one that we were at most recently was uh, Ready Chicago, mm -hmm. where they're going into some of the toughest neighborhoods in the city and knocking on the doors of some of the toughest characters in those neighborhoods mm -hmm. and saying, basically, would you like to change your life? Mm -hmm. um, would you like a job? Would you like to go s through some um, behavioral training therapy? Would you like a fresh start? Uh, would you like to leave your buddies on the street corner and try to get out of the situation that you're in? So it's against some daunting odds. Um, the program is in its infancy, but it's uh, showed some promise. And uh, when I was there most recently, Tariq Cohen was there. And <laughs> boy, that guy's got street energy. credibility <laughs> and, <laughs> and energy. And street cred. And, uh, <laughs> You know, they, they really took them. So, um, well, I, and I think Tariq's a, a great example of it. It's a privilege to be a Chicago Bear, and there's also a responsibility there. Um, the Chicago community has been so great to us that uh, where we can return that generosity, we need to do it. I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Um, the team right now, and you have a general manager in Ryan Pace, a head coach in Matt Nagy. 
When did you know that those two were the right two people for the job at this time? Uh, well, when Ryan interviewed, we had Ernie Accorsi, um, who should be in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. Um, great resume as an NFL general manager. He was guiding us through the process. And when Ryan came in to interview, I took him on a little tour around Hallis Hall and showed him a little bit of our history, basically through photographs and everything. And Ryan said, boy, these photographs are really impressive. And I said, well, um, thank you. You know, we're, we're proud of our history. And Ryan said, well, most of these photographs are in black and white. And boy, that really hit me because, you know, most of our great history is too long ago. It's in the black and white photograph era. So my thought right then was, when can you start? <laughs> now, we had to go <laughs> through the interview process, and um, Ernie wound up endorsing Ryan big time, and um, I think that endorsement has been proven to be well-founded. Matt, basically, when he walked in the room, uh, he had just come off a tough playoff mm -hmm. loss to the Titans. I think he was emotionally spent, but um, he uh, summoned the strength to uh, do the interview, and he sat down and he said, hey, I'm, I'm just going to be me. I know that's become uh, <laughs> common in the vernacular now. Be me. But um, <laughs> he said, you know, uh, I am what I am, and um, there's no guile, there's no uh, pretense, and the players see that, they recognize that, they appreciate that and they respect that and I think they play hard for him as a result. You had quite the game changer last year when Ryan was able to make a trade for Khalil Mack and that was his decision. You said you don't get involved with the decision but you know what was your view, the family's view, knowing that you're making this big trade, he's going to be signed to a big deal and it was a huge shocker. Yeah well the feeling I had was like um, you know, in the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark, where uh, Indiana Jones, played by Harrison Ford, is getting the bag of sand, getting the weight just right to uh, replace the idol on the pedestal with the bag of sand. And then there's the guy behind him that showed him how to get into the cave. <laughs> and he's standing there with his fingers trembling in anticipation. That's kind of how I felt <laughs> when uh, Ted said, hey, we got a chance to uh, get Khalil Mack. It's going to cost us for two first-round draft picks. So uh, I called Mom, and I said, hey, just want you to know, uh, we have a chance to get Khalil Mack. It's going to cost us two first-round draft picks. What did she say? She said, okay. I mean, she knew exactly who I was talking about. <laughs> okay. She knows he's a premier player at a premier position. I said to Ted, okay, what's the next step? And he said, well, we've got to negotiate a contract with him. And then he came back later and said, all right, we got him. It's going to cost us $140 million. And I was thinking, well, mom doesn't need me to call her about that. She can read that in the papers. You know, she's already got the information about the draft choices. <laughs> that would be interesting reading to hear what she has to say. <laughs> I didn't stick around the phone waiting for her to call. Most of the 100 years of this team is that defense. Defense has been one of its big trademarks, and you're back 
on top again. That has to be reassuring, knowing that your defense is, again, the hallmark of the NFL. Uh, well, it was fun to see the development of the team last year. I mean, prior to that, we were playing pretty good defense, but there would just be some breakdown on third down or, or whatever that we, we couldn't get off the field. And um, we didn't have the takeaways mm-hmm. like a great defense does. And then last year with Khalil's addition and the emergence of some other players, they really became a dominant defense that was fun to watch. Mm-hmm. They got their swagger back, and uh, they changed games for us. You know, offensively, we haven't seen much of the offense during preseason games. Matt did that last year, and what would have proved that you could stay a healthy team if you do that. But what type of excitement, curiosity, nervousness do you have thinking about this offense and Mitchell Trubisky and what's going to happen when you open up against Green Bay? Uh, well, I'm nervous all the time <laughs> <laughs> um, about how the team and, and how it's going to come together. Um but Matt told us early on he was going to keep things under wraps in the preseason. So uh, we're looking forward to him untying the bow mm-hmm. on September 5th. I think the running backs especially are going to be fun to watch. The draft pick, David Montgomery, uh, Mike Davis, and, of course, Tariq Cohen. It's the morning shift. I'm Cheryl raced out, and I'm talking to the Bears chairman, George McCaskey. I have to admit, one of the most provocative statements you made from your mom was in 2014 when she said, us in a press conference, that she was pissed off. Five years have passed, and the arrow was pointing up with this organization. Is this a happier time for Mrs. McCaskey and your family? Well, she would be quick to uh, correct me that she doesn't use those words. <laughs> um, oh, so this is a correction. That, that was my assessment of her state of mind. She doesn't dispute the accuracy of the assessment, but she um, takes pains to say that she doesn't talk like that. She's always excited for the start of the season, and uh, I think it's fair to say especially um, excited this year. She's seen the response of Bears fans that we had at yeah. Celebration Weekend in Rosemont in June. She uh, is very excited, as are her children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, to see uh, the start of our 100th season. What's been the most significant changes in the NFL since you were young? And, and now that you, you're as a chairman, what's the biggest changes you've seen? Bigger players, faster players, better conditioned players, the athleticism, the finesse, the plays that they're making now that you think, oh, my gosh, you know, how on earth did he do that? And then a big development since I was a kid and one that we need to keep focusing on is continuing to make the game as safe as we possibly can. That's the future of our game. We've got to have an unrelenting focus on that. We've got to take advantage of all scientific technological advancements, training techniques, We've got to continue to look at the rules to make sure that they're being passed Mm -hmm. and called as efficiently as possible to make the game as safe as possible. What's it like personally for you being on top, being the top dog, more or less, of this iconic brand, this, this family business, and everything that you have to deal with? You have a lot of, you have people, you have, you know, operations to deal with. What's it like? Well, Virginia McCaskey is the boss. Um, yes. <laughs> and, and she takes pains 
to emphasize to us that uh, we're stewards of a legacy. And that's both a privilege and a responsibility. And George Hallis's legacy has two prongs, basically. One is excellence on the field, and the other is making a difference off the field. And that is our focus. There's been the Fan Festival in Rosemont, Decatur, and giveaways. And you're going to unveil some statues of your grandfather, George Hallis, and Walter Payton. What are other events for the 100th anniversary that we should know about? We would like to plan a big event for February 2nd, 2020. That's George Hallis's birthday. Um, that's Ed and Virginia McCaskey's wedding anniversary. That is also um, Matt and Stacy Nagy's wedding anniversary. And that is also the date of Super Bowl 54 in Miami. That's the hope. Uh, that's the plan. But in just a couple of weeks, you need to stop looking toward February 2nd and focus on September 5th. And it's a cliche, um, but you got to take them one game at a time. George McCaskey is the third generation of his family to run the Chicago Bears. His grandfather, George Stanley Hollis, founded the Bears and the NFL 100 years ago this year. George, thank you for making the time, and best of luck this year. Thank you, Cheryl. Go Bears! And that's it for this special edition of The Morning Shift. The Bears season begins tonight, and one of the great rivalries in sports resumes when we take on the Green Bay Packers. Kickoff is at 7 o'clock. Come back tomorrow for our Friday News Roundup. Until then, I'm Jason Mark for Jen White. Thanks for listening, and go Bears! Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts.